Hello and welcome back to another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullin here from the Australia-China Business Council. On this episode, I have the privilege of sitting down with Australia's new ambassador to China, Mr. Graham Fletcher. In our chat, we discuss some of the protocols and job duties of being an ambassador, and also how the embassy and consulates in China serve Australians and Australian business in China more broadly. I asked Graham about the unique aspects of the role of being an ambassador to the People's Republic of China, whether the political ups and downs in the relationship affect business, and what impact an individual can have on the role of ambassador. Graham Fletcher is a senior officer with the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, and was most recently first assistant secretary, North Asia Division. He's previously served overseas as Deputy Head of Mission, Australian Embassy Washington, Deputy Head of Mission, Australian Embassy Beijing, and Counselor, Australian Embassy Beijing. I hope you enjoy our discussion. On this episode of the podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing uh, the new Australian ambassador to China, Graham Fletcher. Graham, thanks a lot for dropping by to the podcast. I'm very happy to be here. Um, now, Graham, congratulations on on the posting. Um, since your appointment to the role, what's been required of you to prepare for the posting? Uh, well, we have a lot of ambassadors abroad, um, some 110 different um, posts, embassies, high commissions, consulates, etc. And so, naturally. Uh, within DFAT, there's a, a bit of a process to help people um, get ready for the role. The standard is uh, a couple of weeks of, of training of various kinds in Canberra. Uh, an ambassador or a consul general has a has several roles and responsibilities. There, financial management. Uh, we have to make sure the budget's mm. uh, properly um, accounted for. There, we have a consular role. Uh, consular work is a is a, a real priority for the government uh, overseas. Um, security is important, crisis management. Um, unfortunately, many of our posts have to deal with either natural disasters or other crises of various kinds. There are times when we... Um, anyway, so there's a whole range of, of different things that, that we want um, all our um, ambassadors overseas to be uh, aware of. Mm. Um, there's also a, a protocol kind of role uh, in terms of representing Australia, how best to use the facilities that, that an embassy can provide, okay. um, how best to uh, make connections, networking. Uh, I mean, there, there are a number of um, roles that, that ambassadors have to fulfil uh, representing Australia, and so we, we try and make sure that everyone's on, on message about all those things. Mm. Media Dealing with the media uh, is also... A, Clearly, an important uh, right. task as well. Um, and so, what about on the on the China side? What's the process of being accepted as an ambassador in China on on the China side? Well, it's it's the same everywhere. Uh, you go to a, a, a when you take up your position, uh, you the first formal thing that you need to do is present the letter of credentials from or the letter of credence from uh, the head of state from Australia, Governor General, uh, to the head of state or the counterpart in the other country. So, in my case. Uh, a brief ceremony where I handed over that letter to President Xi Jinping, mm. uh, who's head of state, of, and and that letter basically says this person uh, rep- will represent uh, the Australian government in China, um, and and equally the Chinese ambassador in Australia, when that person arrives, will will present a letter from signed by Xi Jinping to our government to say that this person uh, represents them. Right. and That's kind of the formal protocol thing. Okay. And is, yeah. that, is that at the Great Hall of the People in, in Beijing? Is that yes. where that takes yes. place? Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah. What would you say the job description of an ambassador is? What, what, what tasks do you see yourself doing on a day-to-day basis? Uh, well, well, the role, what's an ambassador there for? Mm. It's essentially to represent uh, the Australian government to the Chinese government, but slightly more broadly than that, represent Australia to China. Mm. Uh, and that, it's a communication role. So my job is to articulate to the Chinese government, Australia's views and positions on, on all manner of things that, that concern us. The embassy as a whole has a slightly broader role uh, in that we are also looking for uh, – we're trying to understand what's going on in China, mm. um, look for opportunities where Australia and China can work together. Um, I have a, a role to, to offer suggestions and advice back to the Australian government mm. uh, as well as to – what's going on in China and and how can Australia position ourselves uh, to make the most of that Mm. for for our benefit, Mm. for for the benefit of of all of us together. And that's a a very interesting process uh, Mm. given the the kind of country China is, uh, the the changes that it's undergoing and the role that it it is playing in the world today. Mm. As a Mandarin speaker, do you tend to conduct those meetings in Chinese? Uh, it depends. Some some meetings, uh, de- depending on who I'm talking to, uh, sometimes their English is very, very good indeed uh, okay. and it's it's simpler and easier to, to use English. Uh, of course, at other times, Chinese being the, the native language, their language is, is the best uh, medium to use. You've got a lot of history in, in, in China and Beijing. You previously served as the councillor and deputy head of mission at the embassy in Beijing. Um, when was your first posting to China? Uh, I first got there in 1986. Okay. I had a three-year uh, stint back then. Uh, then I subsequently went back another two times. Okay. Mm. And so how would you say that the, the embassy and, and Australia's presence in China more broadly has evolved in, in that time? Uh, well, it's, it's evolved in only one direction. That has become larger. Uh, Australia's relationship with China has grown in significance. Uh, it is now a much bigger trading relationship. Uh, the people-to-people links, the government connections, um, you know, the number of um, students, tourists, uh, visitors of various kinds, uh, the amount of trade, investment, mm. um, the, the, the things we talk to China about. I mean, we, uh, China's now a, a player in so many uh, parts of the, the world um, and it's active and involved in things from, you know, climate change to world trade rules to arms control to, you know, what's going on in uh, Korean Peninsula. It, it, there's a lot of areas that we, we engage with China on and the embassy has uh, expanded uh, in accordance with that. We mm. now have almost 70 Australians uh, sent by the government, uh, from different government departments to uh, work in Beijing. Uh, we have consulates now in uh, not just Shanghai, which was there in the 80s when I was there first, but also Guangzhou, uh, Chengdu and now Shenyang. Mm. And so would would the um, embassy in Beijing be one of Australia's largest foreign missions? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly if it's... Uh, I'd say it's probably number three or four. Okay. Um, I, I guess Jakarta is the largest, Washington would come next, and then after that it's yeah probably Beijing. Yeah, okay, so you mentioned how much the embassy's evolved during your time in China. How, how does the embassy service Australians and, and Australian businesses more specifically in terms of what departments and um, statutory bodies are there? Uh, well, we've got about a dozen uh, different agencies represented uh, in Beijing. Mm. That includes our Department of Agriculture, Education, 
the Treasury, Defence, uh, Reserve Bank of Australia. Austrade uh, is a is a pretty uh, important uh, agency there, both promoting Australian exports to China and also attracting investment from China into Australia. Mm. Home Affairs, which includes uh, immigration, of course. The Border Force, which is uh, deals with the customs authorities. AFP, uh, you know, we have law enforcement cooperation with China. In terms of services to Australian citizens, one important, very important function, as I mentioned earlier, is the consular role. Right. Uh, if someone is, even an Australian citizen is in China and has a, an accident, uh, is hospitalised, uh, is arrested, uh, loses their passport, we want to know about it and we try and help. I've, I've, I've been to the embassy a few times in previous years and I know that um, David Bennett does a lot of good work for Australian businesses with regard to IP in China. Yes, uh, that's a, a new position. I think he's uh, the first uh, representative from IP Australia. So uh, intellectual property is a, is a very you know important issue for a lot of uh, businesses and he uh, is, a, is a great um, person to talk to for people that have... Um, as they're, you know, seeking advice or for our own interactions with China on IP issues, both in a, a bilateral sense but also internationally, multilaterally. Um, mm. There's a World International Property Organisation and, and inter- Intellectual Property Organisation and we're involved with that. Mm. So with regard to CHAFTA, the China-Australia mm. Free Trade Agreement, mm. um, is that being revised or updated at the embassy? Is that something that diplomats at the embassy meeting with their Chinese counterparts on to see better advantages for Australian businesses under the agreement? Yeah, the uh, the free trade agreement's now been in force, I think, four years, mm. uh, and it's being implemented step by step uh, to the extent that uh, most tariffs on goods that Australia sells to China have been uh, reduced or eliminated and vice versa. Uh, I think all Australian tariffs have been eliminated now with China. Mm. Uh, the staff at the embassy um, monitor the implementation of the agreement uh, within the agreement, there is scope to uh, revise or review, revise and update the agreement um, over time. Mm. Um, every uh, There's a set period uh, of every number of years uh, both sides can get together. Now, we don't do that by ourselves. I mean, there are, there are trade experts in Canberra. Right. Uh, and and that, that applies across the board. I mean, we're the, we're the kind of the, f- the, f- the front desk of, of Australia when it comes to talking to Chinese government departments. Right. But... Uh, we will often, um, you know, there'll be a, a meeting set up where um, we'll get some help from, from experts back home who will come and actually conduct the detailed negotiations on, on whatever it happens to be. Mm. Um, but the day-to-day contact uh, with the Chinese system about these agreements and, and how they're going is conducted by embassy staff. Okay. Um, and so I know that there's a lot of um, government departments from the federal government that also have a presence at the embassy. Do, do they tend to have, so for example, the Department of Education, mm-hmm. would they have a relationship with the with the Chinese Department of Education and have, have mutual relations with them? Yes. I mean, the embassy is, a, if you like, a, a miniature um, representative of, of the Australian system more broadly. Okay. Now, the education department has two staff uh, that are uh, in Beijing and deal directly with the Chinese Ministry of Education and other um, bits of the, the Chinese system that that their parent department back here um, is interested in. Mm. The Department of Education in Canberra decides where do they really need to have representatives overseas. It will be 
you know, there are many places where they wouldn't have any staff simply because the, the education relationship isn't substantial enough to warrant it. It's quite expensive for, for a department to, to send an officer right. um, overseas to be stationed full-time. Uh, you know, the China relationship is big enough that, that it requires the support from a, quite a number of uh, federal agencies, but there are, there are many embassies that, that wouldn't have um, anyone from education or even defence or agriculture, etc. We're, we're fortunate in, in China to have a, a very strong team there. Right. And, and are, are these um, agencies something that Australian businesses and Australian citizens can, can access to help perhaps leverage their, their product or businesses over in China? Certainly. Um, I think all the universities um, know very well the education representatives abroad uh, in China and, and uh, Japan and, and various other places. Uh, people that are exporting to China um, should go and talk to Austrade. Uh, now, it's probably best that the people talk to the, the agencies in Australia first. Mm. Uh, but if they happen to be um, visiting China, uh, if they're, you know, wine exporter or, or meat or dairy or whatever, uh, to contact the embassy and, and uh, depending on, on their particular situation, uh, we're always happy to um, hear what people are up to and, and if we can help them, then, then do so. There are, you know, Austrade every now and again will organise specific trade missions uh, that focus on key, on particular areas of, of, uh, of the market. Um, and there are annual uh, events of various kinds that they run in Australia as well to, to, to assist Australian companies think about the, um, what opportunities they may have to, to export or to get involved in, in on international trade. Yeah, and I, got, I know a few ACBC members who were exhibiting at the uh, Festival of Australia mm-hmm. um, uh, in June this year, and they were at some events in, in southwest China. They said, you know, really gave them interesting access to, to new markets in China. Yep. W- would you say the Festival of Australia is Australia's kind of biggest annual presence in, in China now? Uh, yeah, look, the, uh, Australia is, is planning to do that again next year, mm. uh, and that will be the main focus of their trade promotion effort in China. They're quite flexible how they do it from year to year. There, there are, um, as I said, niche uh, trade promotions that they organise. China itself organises a, a big expo in uh, Shanghai. Mm. Uh, they had one last November and there will be a second one this year. Uh, a lot of Australian companies are, and some of the state governments are interested in um, promoting their, their businesses there. Okay. Um, so... What about culturally? How does Australia leverage the, the embassy in Beijing to promote Australia throughout China? Well, we have a, a, a small team of people that engage with, uh, do public relations work on behalf of the government and Australia in China, and that includes uh, dealing with the Chinese media, uh, social media. We have a, a Weibo account. We assist Australian performance agencies, uh, performing arts, artists of various kinds. There's, a, there's an annual program of cultural activity run by various institutions in Australia. Mm. Sometimes that's simply uh, just working with, say, one of the orchestras or performing arts companies, ballet, etc. Opera Australia, if, if they're visiting China, uh, making sure that, they, that things go well. Uh, from time to time, there may be something that we decide to do ourselves. Uh, we don't have a, a very large budget, so we have to be a bit careful. Uh, we work in cooperation with uh, cultural institutions in Australia, both at the national level and at the, the local level. There are state governments who sometimes, in connection with 
their own activities will we'll seek to introduce a cultural component and we can help with that as well. Mm. And is there much collaboration with um, other foreign missions over in Beijing? I know the Canadian embassy is right next door to the Australian one. Well, we're all we're all trying to um, get China's attention. So yeah. I wouldn't say it's um, <laughs> yeah. we don't mount joint operations in that sense. But there's rivalry. A, there's a healthy uh, respect for each other's um, um, efforts there. And so you know there are times when we're invited to something that the Canadians put on, and, and vice versa. Right. Okay. Um, so, Graham, what would you say are some of the unique aspects about being posted as um, ambassador to the People's Republic of of China? Would it be considered one of the more challenging posts in DFAT? Uh, China's a big country. It's a big and important relationship for Australia, so that's that's challenging. Uh, there are many parts of our society that are dealing with China in one way or another, um, and it's a privilege, actually. It's a real privilege to get to meet uh, the people from Australia who are, whether they're um, involved in education or um, business um, NGOs, institutions of various kinds um, dealing with China. It, it, it's great when we can hear their stories and, 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 and see what's going on. Mm. From time to time there can be political tensions in the Australia-China relationship. Do you see this affecting business relations between the two countries? Uh, it's hard to say. There, there are um, times when there are uh, geopolitical or, or more strategic um, pressure points uh, between Australia and China, and uh, we don't we don't think that those issues ought to affect uh, commercial relations, uh, which are based on market forces. I mean, people do business because it uh, we've got products that are a good value and and good quality, and and it, it makes sense for both sides. Now, mm. whether people in China decide that because of a, a political issue that they influence to some degree and, and, and would prefer not to deal with Australia, well, that's unfortunate, but mm. that's their decision. We don't, you know, we, we want the economic relationship to proceed on its merits mm. uh, and we will deal with political issues on their merits. Uh, we believe in broad that there are uh, a lot of good things that Australia and China can be doing together. There's plenty of scope for further cooperation um, we will deal with the you know, sensitive issues as, as required. There, there's a lot of potential still in the relationship for both Australia and China uh, and we feel that there are, um, there's, there's a lot we can do to, to help deepen and strengthen the relationship across the board. Mm, okay, so to what extent is quiet diplomacy the best manner of, of engaging with China when there are difficulties in the relationship? Quiet diplomacy is, is one method that that we use when we're dealing with other countries. Uh, there's also public diplomacy uh, and there are times when you have to be quite plain and, and even outspoken mm. uh, and the government uh, does that when, when necessary. There are many tools available to us to communicate with China, uh, direct talks, um, speeches, letters, um, meetings, uh, senior level contact, mm. uh, the embassy every day is involved in communicating with China about a, a variety of subjects um, and our leaders, uh, the Foreign Minister, the Trade Minister, the Prime Minister, uh, connect with their counterparts from time to time. Um, it's, we, we, we've got a lot of tools we can use and we, we do use them all. We don't necessarily use always just the same mix, mix of, uh, of methods uh, depending on the issue, uh, but 
but all embassies do this. Mm. Do, you, do you see more Australian um, ministers visiting China in the next coming months? Uh, we've got uh, a number of uh, possible uh, visits that, that are coming up. Um, our ministers meet their counterparts from time to time, also in third countries. There's an mm. APEC meeting, East Asia Summit, uh, the G20 um, regional trade negotiations. Uh, there's the Leaders Week in New York. Um, there are, you know, throughout the year a number of opportunities and in between it's good also for ministers to uh, meet their counterparts directly. Uh, visits to China, there's nothing beats going there and, and, and seeing what's going on and, and equally it's good yeah. to have uh, Chinese ministers visit Australia. Mm. And how, how do you see the US-China trade tensions affecting Australia? Is this, is this perhaps an opportunity for Australian firms? Look, um, I think we we would see the U.S.-China trade war if it if it uh, leads to uh, further uh, introduction of tariffs as, as actually not a good thing uh, for mm. us in the uh, in the broad. And the reason is that it will impact on economic growth uh, in our part of the world and possibly even world economic growth uh, if it if it gets very serious. Uh, it's possible that there may be some short-term openings for individual products uh, as a result of trade being diverted away from uh, or China. If, if US exports of certain products are uh, disrupted due to tariffs that, that the um, customers in China may look to Australia, but that um, we don't think that's necessarily something we should be looking for, uh, um, delighted about mm. uh, because the, the broader picture uh, is not... Uh, promising if, if, if those tariffs get imposed. Okay, fantastic. All right, well, finally, Graeme, in, in, in what ways can, can an individual shape the position of ambassador to the People's Republic of China? Well, everyone's different. Um, I think an individual who has the role of ambassador, uh, whether it's in China or elsewhere, um, has the opportunity uh, to give direction and, and advice uh, to our own government about how we should be approaching the relationship. Um, I'm, I'm the leader of a team of people. There are almost 70 uh, Australians working there in the embassy. Um, it's my role to make sure we're all uh, working together well, uh, representing Australia's interests in mm. China. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a real privilege. It's an honour. Um, it's never a dull moment uh, and it's a, it's a job which uh, is endlessly fascinating. All right. Well, um, Ambassador Graham Fletcher, thank you so much for taking the time to drop out of the podcast today. Mm. Um, and at the ACBC, we wish you all um, future success in, in your role in the coming years. Thank you. Been a pleasure. My thanks to the Ambassador for taking time out of his busy schedule to share his insights on his unique role. For more on our podcast, please drop by to the podcast homepage at acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts, where you can find show notes and all our previous episodes. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and help us to continue to grow our listenership. This activity received funding from Austrade as part of the Free Trade Agreement Market Entry Grant Program. The views expressed herein are not necessarily the views of the Commonwealth of Australia, and the Commonwealth does not accept responsibility for any information or advice contained herein. That's it for this episode. Thanks a lot for listening, and until next time, Zai Jian. <laughs>